All righty. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you, worship team. Give it up for those watching online today, will you, church? Come on, Grace Church. Give it up. Thank you for tuning in. Praise the Lord. All right. We serve a good God all the time. He's faithful. I like the friend part. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He loves you more than you can imagine. Uh, there's nothing you can do that separates you from the love of God, according to Paul. Nothing. Think about that. He wants our hearts, not our garments. doesn't matter how you look on the outside. He's concerned about the inside. We're talking about the cross and communion and community. And last week, we nailed a lot of things to the cross, right? We got free, and then we took the cross back over to downtown for Wednesday night and nailed some more stuff to it. And if you need freedom, you can continue to nail that to the cross every single day if you'd like. Today, we'll talk about communion. We're going to talk about this unity. The cross is for us, and community is about us. It's about us gathering together as a family, people that believe together, love each other, live with, within the community together. And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the life. And if you, um, if you, if you are new to our church, go downstairs afterwards. Learn a little bit about Grace Church and, and uh, not even where you can help out. If you want to help out, great, but maybe a little bit more about who we are and the things that we do, what, what we believe, what our, our processes, our projects. Listen, we're, we're for all people. There's, there's uh, I don't know if the terminology is, is right, uh, but if God's for all people, we're for all people. I, I, don't, I don't know any way else to say it. We're for all people. Um, we're for little tiny little babies that are cute as can be. We're for the oldest of old. We're for young. We're for rich and poor and white and black and brown. We're for, you know, people who have everything and don't have anything. We're, we're for all people. You know why? Because Jesus is for all people. And then we're all invited to the same table together to commune with the Lord. And that's, so sometimes you might belong to a country club or have to have a membership to a gym or somewhere. Jesus' only membership is that you accept him as Lord and Savior. That's it. Like, it's free. You don't have to pay for anything. And you might have a gym membership or a country club membership or a favorite restaurant, and all those things cost, but Jesus already paid the price for you, paid it for me. He wants us to work after we get saved, but there's nothing you can do to get saved other than accept Christ. That's a process, but it can be just like that. And we realize that in the communion table. And we'll talk about communion today. It's part of our doctrine is that the ordinances of faith are communion and water baptism. We'll have a water baptism in April. We take communion periodically. We probably could take it more, but we don't want to make a religion out of it. But communion is so good and so powerful. The church in Corinth was a wreck. People were doing anything and everything. Spiritually, they were out of control. You had spiritual elitists that thought they were on another level. You had people that didn't think they belonged. You had people that were just way out here, and you had people that were way out there. And Paul was trying to set things back in order. And he's like, listen, we're not, there's got to be order. This is what Paul's saying. And so we're going to read in a minute out of 1 Corinthians and Paul's order for communion and what he calls it and how he, how he does it. And then we'll learn from how Jesus probably set the table on that last supper night. He would have gone through the Hebraic 
realm, the Jewish realm. He would, have, he would have used the four cups. And we use one cup now coming out of the New Testament because all the cups then combined at the cross. We studied the cross last week, and next week we'll study about community, and we'll light some candles. We'll, we want to be a light to the world. We want to be a light in our area. We want to be a light in our, in our ministry. We want to be a light uh, of Grace Church. We want to walk together as one. We want to love on each other and build each other up in the unity of the faith. But it starts with communion. It starts with us nailing things to the cross so that we can participate together. And Paul knew the church was a wreck, and sometimes you might look around in the church world and you might think, man, is this how Jesus would have done church? I don't know. We're going to do it the best way we know how, but we're going to do it in love. Everybody say love. And we're going to do it for all people. Everybody say all. Because everybody's accepted by Christ. Pastor, does that mean I need to change? There's things I still need to change. Everybody has things in their life that God wants you to change. That's between you and God by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to teach truth. We're going to teach love. We're going to build each other up. We're not going to push anybody down. We're going to lift them up. Because that's what Jesus would do, right? So when we read 1 Corinthians 11, we're going to read um, 17 and 19 through 19, and then 23 through 28, we leave out a couple. We're not leaving out content. We're just leaving out a few texts for uh, simplicity's sake and so we can streamline it. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. Paul speaking now on this matter because he's, he's a little frustrated with the church. I've never met a pastor that ever got frustrated with the church. 1,700 pastors a month in America quit the pulpit, never to go back to pastoring again. Maybe Paul was on the verge. I don't know. He said, now, on this matter, I wish I could commend you, but I cannot. That's a good word. Like, hey, you're doing a good job, but no, you're not really. What does Cam say? That, mm, that's a no. Something like that. Mm, no. You want to do this, Cam? Mm, no. Don't want to. Paul's like, I wish I could commend you, but I, I really can't because when you meet together as a church family, it is doing more harm than good. There were schisms in the body. There was arguing. There was fighting. There was judging taking place all the time. Nobody could do anything without somebody else judging them and pointing the finger at them and saying, you're not doing that right or you're not holy enough. You're not spiritual enough. You're not this. You're not that. We're going a different direction when we're all supposed to be going the same direction in Christ. Paul's like, wait a second, time out. I've been told many times that when you meet as a congregation, divisions and cliques emerge. And to some extent, that doesn't surprise me, he says. Like, we're human. It's going to happen. But yet Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, would you make them one as we are one so that your name could be glorified? The only prayer the only prayer prayed by Jesus that we can answer. Think about that. That's how important unity is. David says in Psalms 133, where there is unity, God commands the blessing. You want to be blessed? Walk together as one. Love the person sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, on the side of you. 
on the, the usher, when you walk out the door, give somebody a high five and a hug. You walk in love and what God will bless your socks off. Jenny, I learned it 45 years ago. You mean if we walk together as one, God's going to bless us? What the scripture says, let's try it. You know what God did? He blessed us. What did we have to do? Walk together as one. Paul says differences of opinion are unavoidable, yet they will reveal which ones among you truly have God's approval. The way you handle a matter lets God know if you're really in with him or not. I've handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself. That same night in which he was handed over, he took the bread. And he gave thanks. Then he distributed to his disciples and said, take, eat, and get your fill. It is my body which is given for you. Do this and remember of me. He did the same thing with the cup of wine after supper and said, this cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it. And whenever you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story. So stop there for a second. Jesus on his table, in the Hebraic sense, according to the Jewish theology, he would have had four cups on the table. We'll talk about those four cups today because the four cups really roll together coming out of the cross. In our communion today, we'll have one cup and one wafer, and some people use wine, and some people use grape juice, and there's a whole theological you know, debate on that. Should we drink wine? Can we drink wine? I don't know. The Bible says you can. So maybe you can. So some people have wine, some people have grape juice, some people just stick with grape juice, or others will have wine. I've heard of churches that have wine, and some people come in up and drink up all the wine. So others say, well, let's stay with grape juice. Let's be safe. And I don't know how, how safe God is because he sent his son to die. That's not a safe God. That's a bold God. But some people have matzah bread, some have unleavened bread. We have uh, wafers that we order. But it, it's built together that when we see the table in our imagination that there's four cups, and we'll talk about those four cups. And he says, when you retell the story, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes back again. For this reason, whoever eats or drinks the cup, the, drinks the cup of the Lord in the wrong spirit. King James says, unworthily. That word is anaxious. It means whoever takes it for granted. And remember, he's talking to church folk like you and me. He's not talking to the sinner on the street. He's not talking to the person who doesn't know Jesus. He's talking to the people that think they're more spiritual than everybody else. You can't hang with me. I got, I got it. I understand it. No, you don't. You ain't got anything Jesus didn't already give you. If we take it in the wrong spirit, church folk, this is who he's talking to, you will be guilty of dishonoring the body and blood of the Lord. So we have to make sure in the right spirit, can you say amen? It, that's not condemnation. That's just saying, Lord, fix me. Help me. I take my cards in the mechanic. I don't know anything about cars. Just fix it. You don't have to know anything about anything. You just have to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, just fix me. Like We go to a lot of places to figure out what's our emotions and what's our past. I'm not knocking any of that. God bless you if you work in that industry, that medical field. Praise God for you. I think the more you know, the more you can help. 
but I'm pretty simple. I don't know. All I know is Jesus healed my wife. He can heal me. He fixed her. He can fix me. If he fixed me, he can fix you. That's it. He's the fixer. He's the fixer. Ah, Pastor, you're, you're really making that simple. It is simple. We're sheep. And the sheep are the dumbest animals they are. Like that's how highly God thinks of you. Hey, sheep. <laughs> yeah. We think higher of ourselves than God does. With this exception, he loves you so much he sent his only begotten son to die for you. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came into this world not to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. And that's the part the church has to grab a hold of again. We're not in this to condemn people to hell. We're not in this to damn people to hell. We're not in this to say, you're, you're wrong and I'm right. We're in this to say, okay, all people. Jesus, you came for all people? Yeah, I came for all people. All right, then once you accept Christ, allow the change to begin on the inside. Don't put up a fence. Don't put up a barrier. Don't put up a boundary that says, this is the way I am. Bless God, I'm not going to change. We all need to change. So let each of you first evaluate your own attitude. I like how the, this is the passion translation, your attitude. Don't our attitudes get us in trouble sometimes? I I mean, our attitudes can get us in trouble. Janie's got a little sixth grade picture and I, I, I don't have that. I've seen it. And I said, you just look like that little sixth grade picture with that attitude. She said, <laughs> I said sometimes I want to just knock that attitude out of you. I don't. But you know what I'm saying, right? And sometimes our attitudes are really, really good. I think it's a good attitude. I'm not saying it's a bad attitude. So sometimes I want to slap the attitude out of her. But I don't. Don't judge me. But sometimes our attitude gets us in trouble. Like, God, you're not going to tell me what to do. God, who are you? Wrote the book. I'm mentoring a young person in the first service, and he's reading through the Bible. And, you know, the book of Exodus is messing him up a little bit. Like the plagues. Like, man, what's going on here? And I thought, well, you know, we gotta, we got to take things in perspective and how God is working through things and, but God is love. God's forgiveness. Let's, let's evaluate our attitude and only then eat the bread and drink the cup. We'll do that here in a little bit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your love. We thank you for honesty, Lord, and transparency, transparency in our lives. We're humbled, Lord, that you've allowed us to be a part of this church and this generation, this, Lord, opportunity to love all people right where they're at, knowing that you forgive sins and that you change lives. We bless you today. In Jesus' name we pray and the church said, amen. So Jesus would have had four cups. You may have heard this before. I talk about it occasionally. We'll do a Monday, uh, Thursday service at the little chapel coming up Easter here pretty soon. 
going to talk about it during that chapel service for sure. But four cups, because that's what the Jews, how the Jews would celebrate it. It's based on Exodus, the sixth chapter, and, the, and verses six and seven. I'm going to read them real quick. We don't have it, so just kind of hang in there. Let me just read it. Verse six, uh, Exodus six, six and seven says, Say, therefore, to the people, God speaking to Moses, to Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. This is uh, to celebrate then through the Passover, they would have four cups. And Jesus would have done this on that night that he was betrayed, showing that in uh, the Jewish culture, they would remember all the way back to Exodus, the sixth chapter. And it was history and it was culture. This is why it's important for moms and dads, uh, single parent households to uh, sit with your kids and teach them uh, biblical culture and beliefs. Our, our grandson, old grandson, Brady's been reading Revelations. Oh, do I got some questions? He said, so maybe don't start Revelations, man. <laughs> go to John or something. Go, go read a psalm. But Revelations is kind of heavy duty, so... Andrew is helping him with it a little bit. But it's good to know culture. It's good to have a history. It's good to know. I, I like, I was watching Marcus uh, speak the other day uh, in Charlotte, a training session. He said, I'm a sixth-generation pastor, minister on my mother's side. I thought, that's cool because uh, of the history there, the culture. You know, he wasn't trying to uh, affirm himself. He was just giving history. It's good to know your history. When did you get saved? When did you give your heart to the Lord? Share that with your children. You know, share the share the belief, and then and then ask your kids about Jesus. Janie would always ask her kids, "What's the Holy Spirit telling you?" What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? I mean, they're, they're little kids. I mean, when we left Janie's parents' church, Andrew was really young, and he said, the Holy Spirit's telling me to go back to the house of prayer. <laughs> it, broke our, it broke our hearts. He's a little liar. <laughs> God's not telling you that. Your emotions are. No, it was, it, it, this communion cup is so beautiful but it's historical. So four cups mean four different things based on Exodus, the sixth chapter. The first one is a cup of sanctification. He says, I will bring you out. Now, sanctification doctrinally, the way we believe, is a process, all right? Uh, so in other words, if you've been a, a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ for 50 years, God is still bringing you out. Okay, it's a process. Like there's some stuff along the way that it's going to take some while to get rid of. You're saved if you're a Christ follower. You're saved. You love Jesus. You're going to heaven. You you're you're redeemed. Okay, but there's it's a process it's of bringing out the part I like about this is uh, we we were uh, we had to do some errands yesterday, and so Janie said we got to stop by and get the car seats for. Uh, for our two youngest grandchildren, uh, Selah and Judah. They're six and four, uh, I guess, and, and soon to be seven. But uh, uh, so they're gonna come, we're going to bring them home with us after church so Marcus and Charity can do the welcome party. We're bringing them home. I, I like that. It's not like, hey, uh, Selah and Judah, you're soon to be seven and four. You, you're supposed to find your way to our house, but we're going to be there. 
like you got you got to run behind the car. We're not going to put you in the car, right? It says the whole bringing. We got to bring them home with us. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, He's willing to bring you out of the things that you're in. He's not left you there. He's not left you in that mess. He's not left you uh, in, in maybe even a situation that you possibly have gotten in yourself. He's willing to bring you out. And this is a, a miracle thing because when we find ourselves in a situation that, yes, maybe we even got ourselves in, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, is willing to come down and bring you out of that situation. Can you give the Lord a shout of praise on that? Wow. He'll bring you out. I, I, I love that. I love the fact that he's willing to walk along with us. I, I, in my mind, he's just like holding our hand. He's bringing us. He's not showing us. He's not telling us. He's bring, He's walking with us. And so this cup of sanctification that Jesus would have talked about, he would have rehearsed that. Hey, I'm going to bring you guys out. Yeah, yeah, we know you're setting up a new kingdom and all that. We want to be part of it. I want to sit on the right, and he wants to sit on the left, and we'll all be a part of the table. And No, I'm bringing you out. I'm bringing you out of sin. I'm bringing you out of despair. I'm bringing you out of self-righteousness. I'm bringing you out. And then the second cup would have been a cup of deliverance. I will rescue you from bondage. And the second cup of deliverance is like, wow, now I'm, I'm healed. I'm set free. And even though the deliverance cup may be here, and you still might be here, and you might have to work your way to deliverance, it's not by works that you get there. It's just like realization. Yes, I'm delivered. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. But now I'm, I'm delivered. And yet that can be somewhat instantaneous, but yet it can be somewhat time-consuming. It's like, am I delivered or not delivered? You've been del- you were delivered at the cross. You were delivered when Jesus shed his blood, you were delivered. So sometimes it's upon acceptance. Do I accept that deliverance or not? I'm being sanctified. It's a process, not a cop-out. It's a process. Grace opens a door so truth can be taught. I'm, I'm learning truth. The more truth I learn, the more I realize, man, I, maybe I've got to get, get rid of some of this stuff. But deliverance is I've been set free. Now I can walk through that open door. I've been delivered. Sometimes people get delivered in a church service, but by the time they hit the car, they've picked that bondage back up. You're free to pick it back up, but why? Why would you? If you've been delivered and set free, why not walk it out? Tomorrow morning when you get up, why not walk it out? Tuesday morning when you get up, why not walk it out? And yes, it may be difficult, but that's what a small group for, a Bible study, a a foundation class, a a prayer and fasting, a Wednesday night just of worship. That's all we're doing on Wednesdays is just coming out and worshiping. And what such a sweet spirit that's there. Just a beautiful presence of God. Grown men weeping, laughing, just like, I don't know what's going on. It's God. Deliverance is taking place. Deliverance is kind of like evaporation. That thing that has a hold of you, that's bondage, it just evaporates into thin air. The third cup is redemption. I will redeem you, he says, with an outstretched arm. In my mind, it's a huge arm. 
in my mind, it's, it, it, it's like that. I don't know who painted the one picture with the finger. Do you know, Drew, the, the arm of God, creation picture? Was it Michelangelo? Dude's arm is huge. <laughs> God. I like the way that it's portrayed. I mean, in my mind, God's arm is, is amazing. It's, it's just, it's huge. So I had the word huge here, but it really just says outreach arm. Outreach arm. It's redemption. He, he redeemed us. He, he bought us back. And the word redemption in Hebrew literally means good news. Good, like we have the good news. We have the winning lottery ticket. The folks, we're going to heaven when this is all over. Well, Pastor, I'm going to have to debate you on that one. I'm not sure if we're going. Well, I don't know if you're going. I didn't say you. I said we're the people who accepted Christ. <laughs> The work he did on the cross, well, yeah, but what about this? And and you're making it way too difficult. Love God, accept Jesus, live for God, walk in forgiveness. Man, that's pretty easy. Well, yeah, I'm never going to forgive them. They did that to me. Well, you got issues. Here's an altar. Let's go pray through. You're simplifying everything. I know it. I'm not a real deep guy. It's got to be right here for me. You know what, though? Jesus made it right here for me. He meets me at the cross. He meets me at communion. And he asked me to go into my community. That's it. I don't need seven points of theological equation to understand the, when Jesus is coming back. I just know that he is coming back, and I want to be ready. That's it. That's all I got to know. Pastor, you're not deep enough for me. You're not spiritual enough for me. I get it. I'm not. I'm sorry. All I know is that the word redemption is good news. <laughs> Every now and then, the world needs some good news. Good news that nobody else can take away. Good news that nobody else can change. Good news that nobody else can, you know, like can manipulate. It's just good news. The redemptive story of Jesus Christ is good news. That's it. It's the best news you'll ever hear. But I love God. Yes. Love God. I, 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 I honor God. I honor Jesus. No, except Jesus. That's the propitiatory work of, of the cross is that he took the place of us. So Jesus would have gone through these cups, cup of sanctification, cup of deliverance, cup of, of redemption, and then he would have got to the last cup. It, it says, I will take you as my people. This is what we call the cup of praise. It's the one cup that we have some involvement in. The other ones have already been done for us. We have to accept them. Sanctification, we have to accept it. Have to be willing to walk it out. Okay, deliverance, I accept it. I know I, I, know I can be delivered. I know I am delivered. I just got to walk it out. I got to accept that freedom. Redemption, there's nothing I can do. Christ did it at the cross. I understand it was, it was all for me. It was all for you. It was all for us. But the cup of praise is the one cup that then all of a sudden our 25%, our praise equals the other 75%, and all of a sudden we're matched with Jesus. Because I want to praise God. Because I decided that, wait a second, if Jesus says he requires my praise, 
Like my praising God gets me sanctified. My praising God gets me redeemed. My praising God gets me delivered. Then all I have to do is praise God. Church, can you praise God for just a moment? It's a matter of just us saying, God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We glorify you. I'm going to praise God. Oh, my. I've been saved for the better part of 45 years. A little bit over 45 years. December the 6th, 1979, I gave my heart to the Lord. A week later, my mother, future mother-in-law said, you need to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wasn't even sure what that was. Had no theological training on it. Not even had a Bible study. I had filled the Holy Spirit, spoken in an unknown tongue. Been changed ever since. One of the things I learned at the House of Prayer Church was you got to praise God. And it was a celebrative Pentecostal church, and they knew how to praise God. And I was coming out of Catholicism, so it was, it was very hard, Jason, for me. It was awkward, right? Like, praise God. <laughs> and the preacher would say, praise God. And I would try it. I, I, I even practiced sheepishly in the mirror a couple times. Praise God. Praise God. Just say it like you mean it. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. That's, that's brutally transparent, practicing in the mirror. Praise God. So, and then I, something opened up in my spirit. Once I said it a couple times, Jamie, it was like the Holy Spirit started to roll, man. Praise God. Praise God. You got it. Praise God. Everybody say praise God. Praise God. One more time. Praise God. See, I mean, you're not coming out of Catholicism like I was, and we don't say that in the Catholic Church all that much. Praise God. But I want to tell you that my family, who is full-on Catholic, they might start a text message in our family, hey, praise God. Uh, and it's actually thrown me back a couple times. I'm supposed to be the one praising God. Oh, you spiritual elitist, would you shut up? I'm telling myself that. They get it. And not that they didn't ever have it, but it's like they're praising God right along with me, praising God. And I started 45 years ago, sheepishly, quietly thinking, I'm going to praise God. And you know how hard it is for somebody to raise their hands in church if they've never raised their hands in church before? It's brutal. You, you know, you do the puppy dog thing. <laughs> praising God. You do the cool worship. You actually lower your hands lower than if you would just hold your hands here. I have friends that came out of the Catholic Church same mind I did, and they're like six foot four, six foot five. Man, they're bold. I still don't know if I had it in me. I start praising God, and it just start coming out. Praise God. And then we'd go to, I'd go to work and something would happen. I would say, praise God. And I think sometimes I actually would say praise God instead of swearing, Barry. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's better than cussing. And I know we're in the South and some of you guys use some curse words and you, you think it's okay because they're in the Bible. <laughs> we weren't raised that way. I said, honey, they curse. Like they cuss. Like the, I've heard, I've had people say, Pastor, that was a Blake Good sermon today. It's like, apparently it didn't go all the way through. Did you get all of it? 
children right now, anybody lays their blanket hands on you, I'll have my way with them. Oh, so we're working on sanctification. We got the salvation down. That's good. And I learned how to praise God. It was like, there's freedom there. There's some freedom there. My brother Frank's going through some cancer. He had um, nine teeth pulled and four more, a bridge taken. He had 13 teeth gone. They cut out part of his tongue. They cut out one of his tonsils and did some work on the roof of his mouth. Frank, are you okay? Mark, I'm just praising God. <laughs> he goes to Catholic Mass every day. Takes over for my dad. My dad went to Mass every day. Wow, that Catholic Church ain't going to teach him anything. I don't know. He's praising God and going to church more than probably most believers. <laughs> when I heard him say, I'm just, I'm just praising God. I thought, man, Frank, you got the key right there. God, God is healing you. God is, God is taking care of you. He's had other things in his life that, that most people wouldn't make it through and I wouldn't even get into. But I thought 45 years ago when I started praising God, maybe that's some of the things that, that rubbed off, not on my family, but just in the heavenlies. And that's the important part of this cup is that it's our cup. It's our cup to share with, with the three other cups that Jesus did for us, the, the, the sanctification, the, the, the deliverance and the redemption. He, he, he gives us a cup to, to praise God. And when we can praise God, no matter how things are, because sometimes Christianity in modern America is I'm going to praise God if things go my way, if my guy got elected, if, my, uh, if I got the raise or the bonus I was supposed to. But we don't necessarily learn how to praise God when things aren't going altogether real well. But God teaches us to praise God. And, and, and when you look in the scripture and you, you look at a couple of stories, we won't go to the scripture, but the, in, in the book of Joshua, they took communion again, Passover, for the third time, just the third time. They took the Passover, and then we, when we talk about in Exodus, we, we, we see one more time they took it in the numbers because they were rebellious. God wouldn't let them take it in the wilderness anymore. Now Joshua is camped in Gilgal, and he's, God's allowing them to take communion, what we would say communion, celebrate the Passover one more time. But in Judges, Deborah uh, hangs on to a guy named Barak. In fact, he's in the Faith Hall of Fame in the Hebrews 11th chapter. And, and Barak, the name means a, a warlike worship or warlike praise. And, and he uses, she uses Barak for an instrument. And, I, and then you put match the two together, you start to realize, wait a second, that if I can just praise God, God's going to answer my needs. I don't have to always pray theological or even structured. Prayer is good. You need it. I don't have to know all 66 books of the Bible in order. You might. That's good. You might be able to quote scripture and even know the address, but I'm going to tell you the one thing that you need to know is if you can shout praises to God, the heavens start to open and God's glory comes down. That's our cup. That's the cup that we're able to drink out of. This barak, this warlike worship, this warlike praise means uh, six different things. The first one, it means to salute. 
you know, it's an honor thing. It's, it's like a, if someone's a doctor, you like to call them doctor. Or, or it, maybe it's a, um, uh, a military position, a colonel or sergeant. Or that's my, our kids would say, that's my mama and my, my papa. That's a, a salute, a salutation. We're saluting God with our warlike praise. We're putting him in proper perspective. We're making the honor that is due. Number two, it's to kneel. That's a sign of humility right? So that we're not, uh, we recognize that this isn't about us. It's always about him, right? And so it could be a physical, literal kneeling. It could be a spiritual bowing. Lord, I'm bowing before you. There's a, there's an energy there. It means to literally breathe, but that word, that breath means to resuscitate. Janie had talked about it a minute ago, where if you feel like your life is all but gone, and now you have a new shot of life, you have a a new invigoration, it's hard not to praise God. It's hard not to worship. The only problem is if we're not careful, sometimes we start to take things in life, people, each other, God for granted. You know, they might not be there forever. You know, they might be missing at some point in time. And that, that I would ever pray a harrowing, death-like experience on anybody. But maybe you've been in that situation. And, or you just wish you could say hi to that person one more time. By your praise, God gives you that resuscitation in your spirit. It's like, I'm going to praise God. I know things aren't going well. Things are, are, are really difficult. I've got this, this thing's against me or this thing's battling me. I'm battling it. But yet I'm going to praise it. Hey, could you stand for five seconds and just God, give God some praise for a moment? Is that, can we just give God, just give him your best praise. Just whatever your best praise. Is. Just, just, just whatever is the best you can do, because he's worthy, right? Because you know, oh, pastor, I don't do that. Now give God some praise. He's worthy to be praised today. Go ahead and sit down just for a moment. We'll take communion in just a minute. Listen, what happens when we praise God? It's like a breath of fresh air. It's like, wow, I feel good. I feel, I feel bad. My situation maybe hasn't changed at all. But I feel, I feel like a breath of fresh air. The next thing is to speak. So salute, kneel, breathe, speak. Not life or not, uh, not death, but life. Not fear and failure, but faith. We start to speak life in our prayer. When you start to praise God, words will come out of your mouth. You're praising God for him taking care of the situation, for him healing somebody, a lost loved one, for him, uh, you know, just uh, bringing someone to the Lord. And then it's making peace. We praise God. There is a spirit that comes upon us, a Jehovah Shalom, that all of a sudden in my praise, peace manifests itself. I don't understand it. Again, I don't have to. I do not have to understand how the lights work. I just need to know where the switch is. That's it. Some people, I think, think too much. Well, what about this theological equation? Go to seminary. Go get your doctorate. Write a book. Make it it your thesis. I don't care. I'm just going to praise God. That's all I'm required to do. Walk in his presence and praise him. I mean, that's all Adam and Eve were. Take care of the garden, have fellowship with the Lord. That was it. 
But peace will come upon you when you praise God. Last but not least, you'll like this one. He causes you to prosper. When you can praise God, listen, when you can really praise God, come on back, worship team. When you can give God his due, when you can glorify the king, when you can praise God when things are like not the way you want them, when you can praise God when you have less than everybody else, when you can praise God when you're not, you know, elected the top official or given the promotion. When you can praise God when, you, when, when, when horrible things happen in your life, but yet you're still praising God. God will cause the windows of heaven to open and pour you out a blessing that there won't be enough to receive it because he'll teach you obedience through that. And when we walk in obedience with the master, unbelievable things happen. And Janie and I are extremely blessed. I can't, I can't share with you how blessed we are. It's not always financially. It's just we have a great family. We have a great church. We have a great community. We, we, we're, we're best friends. We love each other. We, we have things that we probably shouldn't even have that God's blessed us with. But that, didn't, that wasn't always the case. There was times where we didn't have things. There was, there was times when, I mean, family members would, would, would buy our kids Christmas presents that we could give to our kids. But the one thing we learned when we were younger is we're going to praise God. And if we can praise God, something magical happens. Something spiritual phenomenon happens. Some kind of miracle takes place in our in our life that God just like He makes things work out. And if you don't, this week, why not take a moment and find a place? Just praise God. Maybe on your way to work, maybe on your way home from work, maybe just in the middle of the night, you get up, get a drink of water, maybe look outside and see the stars or the clouds, the rain or the snow. Just praise God. I say this prayer a lot. Father, I praise you and I thank you for things just the way they are. Knowing that your hand is upon me, your blessings are over me, and your love and joy and peace will rise up through me. And you know what? God does. Stand with me today. We're going to take communion. Those who are helping me with communion, I ask that you come up at this time. And uh, we're going to come forward in just a moment. I want to thank you, Grace Church, for being an incredible church. And I want to encourage you, Grace Church, to never forget to praise God. Jesus made room at his table for us. He took care of the first three cups, sanctification, deliverance, redemption. I think he asked us to praise him. So I'm going to pray. He also asks us, Paul does, to evaluate ourselves, search ourselves so that we're not in the wrong spirit. I'm going to pray, and then a moment, come forward if you can, and maybe loop around and hang on to the elements. We'll pray for them together, and then we'll, we'll, we'll take communion together. Father, we thank you, Lord, today. This is your day. You've made it. Lord, we rejoice in it. We're glad. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Father, help us never to forget Lord, how beautiful are you, 
and how beautiful are the feet of them that spread good news, redemption. So bless our time. Help us to evaluate ourselves right here and right now before we take communion. If there's anything in our life, anything we lack, anything we need deliverance of, sanctified from, redeemed, Lord, help us. Reveal it to us. We don't have to point out each other's sins. We refuse to judge each other. Help us to praise you and live life along the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come this time. Grab your elements. God bless you.
the bread this time and just hold it. I'll put a blessing on it and then let's eat it together. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, and giving us the most precious gift of all. Lord, thank you for eternal life that you gave to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken on the cross for us. Thank you that you willingly uh, went to the cross and you gave your life so that we could live. Lord, we thank you for the stripes on your back and the blood that was shed. We thank you for your hands and your feet that were nailed to the cross. Lord, we say today that we remember 
your sacrifice. Lord, 2,000 years later, we're standing here and we say that your sacrifice did not go unnoticed, Lord, but we remember. So we ask that you would bless this bread as it is broken, Lord, that we remember your body that was broken for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the bread. Paul says, after the same manner, he took the cup. And we learned this morning that the cup we drink now is combined of sanctification and deliverance, redemption, and praise. So maybe this morning there's a few things in your life you need to be delivered from. You want to be delivered from them. You're just having a hard time. Why not? Through the cup in a moment, just say, Lord, would you deliver me? Would you sanctify me? Would you heal me? Would you redeem me? And I promise to always praise you. Father, we thank you for the cup. Thank you for new life through your blood. We thank you that you cover our sins. We're forgiven. We're healed and we're set free. Bless this cup as part of our body now. As we eat of your flesh and drink of your blood, Father, we do it in remembrance of you. Bless it. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's take the cup together. receive that word today. God is good. Amen. We're going to, we have the ability to commune with him. I love what you said about how Jesus took care of those first three things for us, you know, redemption and all that. But we have the responsibility to praise. You can't work so hard that you are redeemed. It's, it's beyond our ability, but Jesus did it. So we don't have to, but our response can just be praise it can be walls coming down because we praise, not because we're working hard, but it can be because we praise. Amen? 
We can't earn our way to heaven, but we can sure thank God that he provided a way. Amen? Amen. I just want to thank God for that. Hallelujah. Just going to close the service in a word of prayer, but before I do, just want to remind you to come out Wednesday at 6.30. I'm going to bless our food this afternoon for all those coming to the welcome party, because I'll meet you down there, but you get started in eating. Don't forget, that's just right downstairs. Turn left at the bottom, and um, it's going to be fun. It'll just be about an hour. All right, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your name. We know that you are here in our midst. I thank you for the life that you have given to each one of us today that only comes through your son. Lord, the spirit of God just breathed breath into each one of us here today. Lord, I pray that we would exhale that breath as we leave and we would spread the love of Christ to everyone that we see. Lord, I thank you for the communion that we have with each other and with you because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would walk in gratitude this week that anyone that's struggling with anything, Father God, we would just leave that here at the foot of the cross. And that as we walk out of here, we walk out of here alive in Christ Jesus. I put blessings and I prophesy peace and blessings over each person here today. That by your stripes we are healed and by your blood we are saved. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. Hope to see you Wednesday night or at the welcome party right now.